Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring on Coach Bronson Dant. To live within who you think you are and if you don't like where you're at then you got to think about start here with who do you think you are what's the reality you're trying to live and change and make the changes you need to live that reality that's another thing if you don't know who you are if you don't know where you're trying to go you got to figure that out first and then you can make the changes in your life to match that but there's got to be a match up there We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today, we have a friend of mine, Coach Bronson Dent, who's going to share a very inspirational story of what he did and how one photo changed his life forever at the age of 37 years old. He didn't realize how bad his health was until he saw this photo. He's going to share a little bit more about that and why he decided to focus on fitness and protein and eventually evolved into doing a carnivore approach, which is his main focus. And we're going to dive deep into carnivore. We're going to dive deep into keto and also protein and why protein is so important. And oftentimes, many people doing keto and carnivore are under eating protein. He's going to explain how to calculate the exact total grams of protein you should be consuming each day for optimal performance. And you got to understand that protein is not just important for building lean muscle. It's also important for helping you stay satiated prevents you from overeating, prevents you from binge eating, and many other benefits to protein, which he's going to explain. He also shares why it's important to let go in order to improve and to grow, and why nothing in the world, nothing in the universe stays the same. Everything is moving. Either you're progressing, regressing, either you're creating or disintegrating. We talk about that very important part of this discussion. We talk about how to calculate lean muscle mass and the proper percentages, or I should say the proper number, the target you want to hit when it comes to your lean muscle mass, or I should say in the proper ratio you want to hit, the proper number you want to hit when it comes to skeletal muscle mass. We get into the PE diet from Dr. Ted Naiman. And the difference between animal-based protein, plant-based protein, why he loves carnivore, some of his favorite tips for increasing lean muscle mass to make you more resilient, and so much more. You're going to love Bronson. I first met him in person at the Las Vegas Keto Expo, speaking there. 
we ran into each other. We hit it off. We've been connected ever since. And he's doing some great work. So you're going to love his energy, his knowledge, his experience, and his story. I sure did myself. I want to take a minute to get to the Apple Podcast rating review of the day from DMK409 titled Keto Camp and Dr. Abbasalo. This was a great podcast combining keto and intermittent fasting with chiropractic knowledge. I see a chiropractor myself and she is great for my wellness. Dr. Brian Abbasalo is a great speaker who has surely been a godsend to his clients. This podcast has the best guest speakers. I look forward to each and every episode. Thank you so much for that review. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Brian Abbasalo. If you didn't listen to that, we'll drop a link for that down below in the podcast notes. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast a rating or a review as of yet, please do so right now. It really helps the show grow and change more lives. Okay, let's have some fun talking about fitness with Coach Bronson Dent. Coach Bronson Dent has been coaching and training people in the health and fitness industry for over 10 years. He started a CrossFit around his 40th birthday and quickly fell in love with the variety community, coaching, and results. And we have that in common, which you'll see. It didn't take long for him to realize that learning more about fitness and becoming a coach was the next path that he wanted to take. Over the years, Bronson has discovered the secret to extreme optimization of his metabolic health and performance. Since then, he has designed specific methods to use both nutrition and fitness to radically improve the lives of hundreds of people all over the world. I would go as far, I would go as, far as to say thousands of people all across the world, and he's going to change your life today. He has numerous certifications and extensive training in health and fitness. He's a frequent guest and subject matter on health and fitness podcasts like the one you're listening today. And he's a great speaker, presenter, who will be speaking at many conferences this year, along with myself, which we'll talk about. So here is Coach Bronson Dent. Coach Bronson Dent, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. We were just talking before I hit record on what where the conversation is going to go. And I think this is going to be super I know this is going to be super valuable to those listening today or watching on YouTube. So I want to start here before we get into the nitty gritty of fitness and muscle building and the importance of protein and all that. We have a lot in common, which we'll get to the CrossFit world and all that. But you made some significant changes in your life. And I think a lot of people have a similar story. And you could tell the story, but you were 38 years old looking at a photo of your, your son or took your daughter, excuse me, took a photo of you at the beach and something happened where it changed the course of the rest of your life. So share that. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we all have images and we all identify, we have an identity that we create in our, in our brains of who we think we are. And every once in a while, something happens that doesn't match up with that. And it's kind of like a slap, like, wait a second, this, there's, there's not, this isn't, this doesn't match. And that's what happened. I was in the military for 17 years. I was kind of, not a super athlete, but I was athletic. I played sports in high school. And I just had this idea in my head throughout my entire life that I was an in-shape, active, fit guy. And went to the, the beach one summer. Uh, I was 37, 38 years old. And my daughter, you know, taking pictures, doing whatever. And at some point throughout that day, she showed me pictures on her, you know, she's got the camera. This was before it was even like everyone had phones. It was still digital cameras, right? I feel so old saying digital cameras now. Oh, I remember when they were wind up, you know? And I don't remember so, those. Uh, I remember digital, yeah. but not the wind ups. <laughs> 
And uh, so I'm looking at the phone, go, you know, looking at the, the camera going through it. And I saw that picture. I was like, whoa, wait a second. You know, go back. And now, that was my initial reaction. And I don't remember if I said anything, but I know at some point I may have, may have just grabbed her camera when she didn't know and just kind of looked at this picture sitting there on, on the beach by myself looking at this picture of me going, I have man boobs. Like I have a gut that's hanging out like I, this, that what? Like, no, wait a second. This is not, this is not how I picture myself. And it kind of just shook. It was just, it was jarring. It was shaking. And it just kind of made me go like, where am I going? What am I doing? And you know how we talk about people have to be ready, right? You know, we can say things over and over and over and over and over again, but if someone's not ready to hear it, if they're not ready to do something about it, it, it helps because it builds up that repetition of information. It helps build up. They know, they know, they know, but until they're ready to do something, nothing happens. Around this time, I had also had conversations with my significant other and the conversations kind of revolved around the where am I going in life? What am I trying to do for myself? What do I, you know, I'm content. I'm making good money. I've got a good job. I'm happy with where I'm at. And there really wasn't a drive. There was nothing that was saying, you know, push to be better. There's things that you can do to be better, to improve your quality of life, to improve your confidence, to improve just all those things. And that picture made me realize like, wait a second, what we've been talking about and where I'm at in my life is not good because it kind of made me think like, I thought I was staying still. I thought I was good where I was, but what I didn't realize is there's no such thing as staying where you are. If you, you're not moving forward, then you're moving backwards. And I had been moving backwards and I didn't realize it. And that's kind of where that, that whole mind shift happened and that change happened. And then I started making changes to get better. Mm, very important lesson that nothing in, in the world stays the same. Either you're progressing or you're regressing, uh, to your point, Bronson. Did you think about the impact of, of, of being overweight and unhealthy back then, what it would do to your future and your relationships with your, with your daughter and your, and your wife? And did you think about that part too? Was that part of it in the beginning or was it more of like a, a, an aesthetic shock in the beginning? It was an aesthetic shock, but it was more about how the aesthetics tied to who I identified as. Hmm. Right. And I talk about this a lot. Like you, in order to move forward and stay motivated to keep going with where you want to go, you have to tie what you're trying to do with who you are. There's a level of identity that's mixed into the things that we want to do, how we want our life to be, how we define ourselves. And how I defined myself when I looked at that picture wasn't the reality of what I was living. So that's where unhappiness, people are not happy when their lifestyle, when their reality doesn't match their identity. And, you know, realizing that there was this disconnection between the two is kind of where my focus was initially. Yeah. So you had this self-image of yourself and it didn't match the reality, of, especially in the, as you saw it right there in front of you in that photo. Yeah. It was like, you can't get rid of it. That's <laughs> it right there. So you made some changes and it was kind of like a paradigm shift for you. You, you started changing your way. So what were like the first things that you, you changed in your lifestyle back then? French fries. <laughs> so you got rid of the fries. <laughs> I got rid of the fries. It was so I used to be it used to be my thing. I used to be uh, the French fry guy, the French fry connoisseur. Um I could tell you everything about every fry ever. Like it was it was ridiculous. I love I, and I still do. I love french fries. Like if they were made of meat instead of potatoes, I'd be tearing <laughs> up some french fries. But no, so I was a 3 to 4 serving of french fries a day guy. Like I would go to Red Robin 
And, you know, they got bottomless baskets of fries. I'd go to Red Robin for lunch every day and get two baskets of fries. Uh, I'd go to Five Guys or I'd go to Mission Barbecue or I'd go to someplace that has, you know, great fresh cut whole cooked in peanut oil, all the great stuff, right? The fries and just eat pounds of fries. I can't even imagine. I've never actually thought about this. So just now, like how many pounds of fries I probably ate in a week? It was probably a few pounds of French fries a week that I was eating. Wow. And that was the hardest thing. It took me, of all the things that changed, right? So I kind of went to the gym and worked out. Didn't really change much about that initially. It took me about a year to get to a point where I could be okay not eating something and wondering like if I was going to get fries, what kind of fries I wanted. Do I want cheese on my fries? Do I want chili on my fries? Like doing anything that did, or tater tots. Oh my God, tater tots. Woo. So it took me about a year to get to a point where I could go out and eat or, because at the time, you know, I'm still lazy, but I was really lazy, lazier, more lazy. And I ate out most of the time. I didn't do a lot of cooking at home. Um, so whenever I went out to eat, I mean, French fries were just part of what I did. So changing that habit, changing that mindset was the biggest thing. Yeah. So your identity was actually the French fry guy too. <laughs> yeah, I was the French fry guy. You know, it's interesting because when you mentioned the photo, right? When I look back at my photos when I was obese, I feel like I'm looking at somebody that's not even me. It's like a whole new world of life that I never, like, I, I'm surprised that even existed in my life. Do you feel that way when you look at that old photo? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, re I remember it and I look at it. It's crazy to think. So, this is my correlation to what you're saying is more when memories pop up on Facebook. And it's a memory of this is what I'm going to have for dinner tonight, or this is while I'm out drinking and there's like eight shots in front of me and like all of these things. And I'm like, what in the world was I doing? You know? So yeah, like that is kind of surreal sometimes to think that, you know, now um, I may have a drink once every and the stuff that I used to think was a normal everyday meal is stuff that I don't even consider. It's not even in my, my brain, my brain pan right now. So yeah. Yeah, and, and that should be inspiring to those listening and watching because if Bronson could go through that and change his ways, change his paradigm and, and do what you're doing now, I know you're more carnivore, that is uh, inspiring. It should be inspiring to many people out there. Now, at what point during your journey did you get into uh, the fitness part, like heavily focused on the fitness part? And I know that you used to own a CrossFit gym, you're a level three CrossFit coach. So at what point did that happen? Yeah, so that happened shortly afterwards. So for my... Around the time I was turning 40, uh, went on a cruise, first cruise I'd ever been on. And I was in the in the workout area on, a, on an elliptical and uh, just kind of popping along. And I'm just watching people in the workout area. And there's this guy over in the corner with the dumbbells. He's got like an 80-pound dumbbell. And he's doing single-arm dumbbell snatches. And I'm looking at him like, what in the world it, like there's like I could probably barely even pick that thing up what is that guy doing and he's just tossing around switching hands doing stuff I'm like what and just kind of went up and at some point I don't know why it just intrigued me to the point where I was like I got to talk to this guy so I started talking to him great guy we talked we apparently you know he owned a gym in the Miami area and he kind of just for that week we kind of hung out like we he showed me CrossFit stuff. We did some workouts together. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen where I got to find this. So when we got back from the cruise, I found a local gym and just started going. And then within a year, year and a half, um, I was like, this is it. I was at a point in my life where 
I felt like my IT career, I've been in IT for 20 plus years. I felt like my IT career was coming to the tail end of it. I've been doing it for over 20 years and I needed to change into something else. And I felt like this is amazing. Maybe this is what I'm going to do. So I got certified as a coach, started coaching, eventually opened up a gym and it's been like that. You know, that's kind of been the trajectory ever since. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And speaking of the dumbbell, single arm dumbbell snatches, I was just doing that earlier today in my, in my gym. <laughs> Not with 80 pounds, but I was, yeah. I was doing it today. So the, the gym, by the way, is a uh, caution CrossFit that you were referring to, which I've done some competitions when I used to own my CrossFit gym. So you ended up selling your shares and I'm curious to know why, why did you decide to sell them? Yeah, there's a bunch of different reasons. And again, we're going to talk about identity a little bit. So when I started the CrossFit, when I started the gym, it was because I love CrossFit. And I really felt that it did stuff for me. And I wanted to share that and get other people to do it because I just thought it was more about I love CrossFit and I want more people to do CrossFit. The longer I owned my gym and the more I understood about what health and fitness really is and what people actually need and where the important things to focus are on, the less owning a gym felt like the solution for me. Right, because the the mindset of a gym, particularly CrossFit, unfortunately, and I think it's changing. That's something maybe we can talk about. But the uh, most people look at CrossFit as a place to come get a hard workout. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't look at a CrossFit gym and go, "Hey, this is a place where I can get a full, a full comprehensive program that's going to help me improve my quality of life." That's it, two very disparate concepts. Yep. And I was leaning and, and got more into the nutrition side of things, got more into the mindset side of things, got more into the, the improvement of metabolic function side of things, as opposed to just learning how to work hard. And granted, it's kind of a, kind of a crazy thing because a lot of that transition started with me learning the methodology and concept of CrossFit because of all of the systems out there, I think CrossFit has the best breakdown of what health actually is and how it matches to and correlates to overall fitness. So that's kind of where the seed was planted for me to not own a CrossFit gym. It's kind of a crazy thing. I started a CrossFit and ran a gym, but because of CrossFit, I don't own a gym. So moving into that space, becoming more of a, a comprehensive quality of life coach in using health and fitness and mindset guidance and helping people figure things out differently just more online stuff, more try to see how many people I can touch in a broader range, as opposed to just trying to help, you know, trying to focus in, in one location or area. I feel like I can do more spread out. Absolutely. I could totally relate to that. Same thought process I had. I was uh, four and a half years into my gym ownership and I had uh, partners in, at the gym I was, uh, that I owned. I had the majority of the shares and I, I reached that point just like you, like, I, I love being here. I love the community. It's amazing. Felt like we had a really good gym and we really took care of our members and we focused on more of the, you know, everything, the on-ramp and the resting and recovering just as much as the training and intensity. But then I'm like, I, I, I want to help more people. Like you were saying, I, I have all these goals and ambitions and I could only help the people that come to the gym and it's kind of capped there. And I'm sure I could grow the membership and all that, but you're capped. But online, we have this amazing world where right now I'm in Miami. You're I'm not, where are you located? Baltimore area. Baltimore. You're, in, you're in Baltimore. We're having this conversation. This is going to go out to you know the podcast. My podcast gets to 111 people. So you having this conversation with me will go to 100, not 11 people, excuse me, 111 countries. <laughs> um, <laughs> many, many more people than 111, but 111 countries, um, hundreds of thousands of people. But 
that's the goal to reach more people. So I love that you made that decision. I imagine it was probably uh, maybe I don't know. For me, it was a difficult one, but now I look back and it was one of the best best decisions I made for myself. Well, how did you feel about? That? Yeah, it was very difficult because again, uh, talking about identity, I, I really it, this I feel like this is going to be the theme of this talk is identity and understanding that you have to live within who you think you are. And if you don't like where you're at, then you got to think about start here with who do you think you are? What's the reality you're trying to live and change and make the changes you need to live that reality? Um, if you don't know what reality, that's another thing. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know where you're trying to go, you got to figure that out first. And then you can make the changes in your life to match that. But there's got to be a matchup there. It was very difficult for me to get rid of the gym um, because I was the gym owner. So I had gone from being, I thought I was the in shape guy to the French fry guy to I'm a coach to this is my gym. I've been spent five years trying to build this thing. I don't know who I am without it. And it was scary and it was hard and it was gut wrenching. And I cried and I, there were tears shed and it was just a, a very stressful period of having to let that go, but realizing that it was letting something go so I could move forward. It, it's not the end. It's not, you know, it's just a, it's a new beginning. So uh, it was very hard just to answer, answer simply. It was not easy. I could relate. I could totally relate to that. But you know what? Kudos to you for finding out what your highest values were at that time and going in that direction as, as challenging as that was. And, uh, and now you're starting to see the benefits of doing that. Me too. You know, it was one of the best decisions I made for myself as well. Summer, or actually any holiday season, is such a wonderful time, isn't it? A chance to take a break from the daily grind and enjoy life to the fullest. However, all the fun aside, we often find ourselves taking a break from our health routine as well. Late nights, irregular eating habits, and indulgence become the norm. But when the vacation season winds down, it's time to get back on track with our health. Although it may not be easy, it's essential for our well-being. I always say, if you treat your health casually, you end up a casualty. If you struggle to return to your health routine, I have a valuable lesson to share. Focus on majors. Prioritizing healthy eating, exercise, and above all, quality sleep. Sleep is foundational. Just one interesting fact about sleep to mention. Drinking more than two servings of alcohol per day for men and more than one serving per day for women can decrease sleep quality by 39.2% according to the Sleep Foundation survey, not even mentioning all that indulgent food and late night effects. And sleep is the key to your body's rejuvenation and repair process. It controls hunger and weight loss hormones, boosts energy levels, and impacts countless other vital functions. A good night of sleep will improve your well-being much more than anything else. Sleep is your major to focus on right now. That's why I recommend you start taking magnesium daily, but not any supplement, Magnesium Breakthrough by Buy Optimizers. That is my go-to. Why? It contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help you fall asleep and stay asleep and wake up refreshed. The sleep benefits are truly remarkable. And once your sleep is optimized, you'll find it much easier to tackle all the major aspects of your health. Trust me, it's a game changer. Head over to magbreakthrough.com slash keto camp and use the code keto camp one zero to get 10% off your first bottle. We'll drop a link in the podcast notes. Let's get into fitness a little bit. Sure. 
So my audience is very similar to your audience. We were just saying, sharing this online. You know, forty-year-old plus uh, female who's either at the end of their menstruation years or going through perimenopause or even in menopause. Uh, one of the biggest things I've seen, and I want to know if it, you've seen the same thing, is number one, a lot of women and men, but women under eat protein and they're not focused on building lean muscle mass. So can we talk about both those things? Yes, eat more protein and build lean muscle mass. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do it? How do you do both? <laughs> yeah, so I've never actually looked at like your protocols and what you recommend for people. So it'd be interesting to kind of compare notes. When I start people off, it's kind of funny because I started learning about the protein thing. When I first started getting into nutrition and starting to try to understand how some of this stuff worked, one of the things that hit me, the first thing that was kind of mind-blowing to me was this is way in the beginning, was the difference between net carbs and total carbs. And understanding that, wait, some carbs, quote unquote, don't count, whether they have an effect. There's like, Just that whole concept was kind of mind boggling. And then I was reading the keto book by Craig and Maria. Mm-hmm. And they had, they had the one section in there, they were talking about oxidative priority. And I understood oxidative priority to a point. Reading that book kind of made me go, wait a second, hold on, there's something about this that doesn't make sense. And then I started digging into some things and realizing that protein works completely different in the body than fat and carbs. And started making some connections between what I'm now calling, and this is something that I don't know if I coined it or whatever, but I'm I'm calling um, functional calories versus fuel calories. And the things that our body does with protein is different. It's not a fuel first, right? It's building first whereas carbs and fat are fuel first. And so that kind of got me thinking about things differently. And then Dr. Neiman comes out with the PE diet and starts talking about this separation of these two. I'm like, oh my God, this is everything that I've been thinking. This is amazing. So when I start people off, that's kind of, the one thing that I didn't see when when the PE diet came out and that I hadn't seen is you know, understanding the concept of one-to-one, which is what I, I totally start with off with, but then how much one-to-one of what? Could you explain that? Yeah, so one-to-one, yeah. So matching your protein with your fuel. So basically, if you think of protein and fuel, all things being equal, um, you don't want to have your protein lower than your fuel and you don't want to have your fuel higher than your protein intake in a day. And the idea is that you want to make sure you're giving your body enough to build and process and function because protein and muscle, protein drives muscle, muscle drives function, and then fat and carbs are fuel. Obviously, we, th- we know higher fat, less inflammation, other benefits there than, than higher carb, um, but they're basically interchangeable. I'm um, use that ter- term lightly. So one thing I didn't see was how much. So I started playing around with some different things. And basically what I came up with, and this is my protocol, my one-to-one-to-one is what I call it, one-to-one-to-one. So you take your lean mass. If you can know what your lean mass is, so your lean mass is your fat-free mass. If I weigh 200 pounds and I'm, let's say, 25 pounds body fat or 25% body fat, then we know I have 150 pounds of lean mass, okay? So take that lean mass, turn it into grams, and then that's how much protein that I want as a minimum and that's the maximum that I want for my fat and carbs combined. That's kind of how I do it. So it. I do a one-to-one-to-one. And it works out for, for 99% of the people that I've worked with since I started doing it. Um, it's usually more protein than people are getting. Most people don't hit the total fat or the total fuel grams, which is fine. I'm not worried yep. about them hitting that. It's because it's the upper limit. It's not like because you have it's to the upper that. limit, right? Yep. 
And it, because the protein is a focus, not the fuel, they tend to get full, but lower their calories at the same time. Right. So it helps with the satiety. It, it, it kind of brings all of the things that we talk about, nutrient density, bioavailability, and satiety. It kind of brings all that stuff into one little, you only got to worry about one number and it makes things easier for people. No, I love that. Great. I love the one-to-one-to-one. So hopefully y'all listening could want, want to rewind that, but you take you figure out what your lean body weight is, right? So you get your total weight subtracted by the total amount of body fat you have in percentage, and you want to get one gram of protein per pound of lean body weight. So if your lean body weight is 150 pounds, you're going to get at least, at the minimum, 150 grams of protein each day. And if you're eating carbs and fat, then that combined should not exceed 150 grams. That doesn't mean you have to hit that, just means it shouldn't go over that. I have also seen the amazing benefits of prioritizing protein. Like you mentioned, the satiety benefits, it activates cholecystokinin, peptide YY, leptin. It just helps you feel full and satiated, builds muscle. But we need to distinguish now, Bronson, the difference between animal-based protein and plant-based protein, because there is a difference. So when you say 150 grams of protein, are you referring to animal-based or does Absolutely. it not matter? Okay, why? Absolutely. Bioavailability. That's the key word of the day. Your body's got to be able to use it. Not only just use it, but not have to work so hard to get it in. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about using, you know, focusing on getting your protein from plants, the extra work that has to get done without even getting into the science, just the oxidative stress, the fighting through the anti-nutrients, then doing all of these things extra, Right. People used to ask me this about vitamin C all the time. It's like, when we eat, when we focus on getting things from plants, our body has to do more to get the things it needs to get the things it needs so it can do more. Like, it's a circular thing, right? So if I'm getting most of my nutrients from plants, then I need more vitamin C because I'm not getting as much collagen. I'm not getting as much uh, hydroxylysine, hydroxyproline as I would be from animal meat. So my body needs to take unhydroxylated lysine or proline, add vitamin C to it to hydroxylate it, so then I can make collagen, right? It's an extra step that you have to take an extra thing in your mouth to make it work. Mm-hmm. If you just ate meat, you don't have to do all that extra work, right? So there's so many different convoluted pathways and things like that. When we try to get things outside of animal-based and whole foods, it just makes it way too complicated. That's a very important explanation because that's where a lot of people say, where are you getting your vitamin C with an animal-based diet or with carnivore? Well, there's a lot less need for it because of what you just explained. Now, the next question that somebody's wondering, because I get this all the time and I'm going to ask you the question, but Bronson, I do OMAD and if I need to get 120 grams of protein in one meal, there's no way I can do that. What do I do then? Why are you doing OMAD? (laughs) <laughs> well, well, there's some benefits to OMAD, but sure. maybe why are you doing OMAD every single day should be the question. Yeah, what, what, yeah. in general. So, so here's my take on a lot of these things, right? So OMAD, intermittent fasting, even things like PSMF, there's a lot of variations to a theme that people will try before they've got the basics down. Mm-hmm. So my philosophy is the priority first, the first thing you should be worried about is, are you getting enough? Are you getting it consistently? And what are you doing with it? Okay, if those three three things are out of whack, then don't worry about tweaking yet. Your focus should be on the basics, the fundamentals. Get enough protein, 
get it consistently. One day isn't good. If you can get it three, four, five, six, seven days a week and you're getting enough, then you're on the right track. And then if you're not using your body, if you're not exercising, if you're not making your body improve its metabolic function, then you're kind of wasting what you're eating in the first place. So work on that. If none of that starts working, then we can start looking at maybe we need to do OMAD or intermittent fasting or PSMF or stuff like that. But there's a lot of there's a lot of missed opportunities for a lot of people in just getting the basics first. Yeah, fundamentals, absolutely. And of course, fitness and movement and sleep and mindset mm-hmm. things you talk yeah, about sleep, is up there. Sleep, yeah, absolutely. Stress reduction. There's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So no, that's important. You know, OMAD is a tool, but so many people do that tool too much and too early. Yeah. All the time too early. Of course. And if you're obese, you know, there is a role. There's a, there's a time and place with for OMAD, but it's not something you do right away. It's not something you do all the time. So if your your protein recommendation based off of what you sh- we just shared is, let's say 120 grams per day, and you're ready for OMAD, let's say you've done the work, then I believe, and I want to hear what you think, I think it's okay to do OMAD maybe a couple days per week and not hit that protein requirement on two days. But if you're hitting it on those five days and you've already done that work, then you should benefit with that that structure for a period of time before you have to kind of change things up. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think everyone uh, find out what works for you. There may be a case, again, we can make a case for a lot of different things. There may be a case for if you're not going to get your protein, then why not just fast for 24 hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be, you can make a case for that too. So uh, there's a whole bunch of different ways to look at it. So I would say N plus one, see what works best for you. If you feel like you're getting the benefit of doing OMAD, even if you're not getting everything, that's fine. Maybe you want to fast instead. Maybe you normally eat three meals a day throughout the day. And instead of OMAD, if you feel like you want to get your protein, but that's not working in one meal, maybe you just eat at the beginning of an intermittent fasting window and at the end of it and see if you can get it in two meals, but in a much smaller time frame. Uh, there's so many different ways to play around. With, so many. With how to and, do that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a gift and a curse to have all these tools. Right. Because <laughs> Absolutely. People get overwhelmed. They're like, but Bronson said I need to do you know my protein and not do OMAD. And then, uh, I don't know. Dr. XYZ says, you got to do the OMAD and do it extensively to really burn that. So the bottom line is, what is working for you? If you feel like Absolutely. your OMAD is Absolutely. crushing it, then hey, you do it. But you take all the information and you synthesize it to see what works for you. And that's what Bronson is saying here. Yeah, the, the challenge comes when you've been doing something for so long and then you've, you're like, okay, nothing's working. What do I do? You can't look at changing something, but then be resistant to changing something. I get it all the time where someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm trying to get more protein. Um, I just can't get it in enough. I'm not seeing any gains. I'm not gaining any weight. I'm not, my lean mass isn't changing, blah, 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 blah. And then I'll say, well, you know, give me an example of what your day looks like. And they're like, I'm OMAD. I'm like, well, how long have you been doing that? Oh, three years. Maybe it's time to stop. Yeah. Right. You got, you got to think about how you make these happens. And if you want to make one thing happen, that may need mean something else needs to change. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. I see that too. A lot. Now, carnivore, let's talk about that because I know that you're a big fan of carnivore. You got into it after you uh, listened to the Joe Rogan episode with Sean Baker. Why do you love carnivore? Are you a hundred percent carnivore? Like how do you do carnivore? Um, I'm 110% carnivore. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which level? Um, I do, I, there's levels. If it used to live or came from something that lives, lived, I eat it. So do you have, um, dairy and eggs? I do butter, butter and eggs for sure. Def, I do like, uh, about eight eggs a day on average. 
Um, I do butter every once in a while. So I have a love hate relationship with cheese. Um, I love it. <laughs> it does not love me. Um, yeah. I tend to stall. I, I have issues. So it's crazy as much as I love cheese and it's gotten better. So before I started this, before I started this journey, I was lactose intolerant. I could not handle any dairy. I could only drink lactate milk. I had to take lactate pills if I wanted to do anything. I did that whole thing. And since then, so I can, if I wanted to right now, I could go eat a pint of ice cream or two, and I would not have any, any gastric distress. Like I'd be fine. Um, but if I have, if I did that for a couple of days in a row, or if I had cheese for three or four days in a row, or just if I want to go get some cheese and have cheese every day for, for a week, after a couple of days, I'm a little inflamed. My recovery from exercise slows down, right? It takes me longer to feel better after working out. It just changes everything in my body. So the past probably six months now, I haven't had any cheese. So right now, my meals consist of butcher box breakfast sausage, um, which is amazing. I do a lot of lamb and I do a lot of eggs. That's pretty much what I eat most of the time right now. Yeah. So... You're 110% carnivore. Now, my question to you is this. How long have you been 110% carnivore? And so let me ask you that first. How long has it been sure. since you started carnivore? Uh, May 1st, it'll be four years. In those four years, has there been times where you've had things that were not carnivore? Maybe it was oh, like... absolutely. Okay. Oh, so sure. That ice cream analogy wasn't wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't it wasn't out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, but I thought it was like even before carnivore. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so there are some times where, but primarily, what percentage would you say, like out of the last four years of your meals, have been carnivore? Ninety-eight percent. Wow, that's pretty high. Okay, but there are some times where you'll sprinkle and maybe have some ice cream with your kid. I don't know. I'll have but, some okay. ice cream or may ha maybe have like a really small slice of cake at a birthday party or something like that, but. I just don't, honestly, I just don't enjoy it like I used to. It's crazy. I would much rather have some braised lamb, you know what I mean? Like some lamb chops or something like that and some bacon than I would a cake. It's just, yeah. Eh. Me too. And you'll feel much better after <laughs> the lamb. And <laughs> that's great. And you know, carnivore is such a great tool. I love it. It's really, every time I'm carnivore, I feel amazing. I always, mm -hmm. I'm not a hundred percent or 110% like you, but um, I'm, primarily meat-based. And whenever I'm eating carnivore meals, I feel amazing. I'll do 40 yeah. days straight. And I'm, if I'm not doing carnivore 40 days straight, like 90% of my meals will be animal-based. And sometimes I'll have some vegetables and all that. But I feel amazing with carnivore. It's such it's, a great It's what tool. everybody says. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's carnivore. You love it. I, we love it here at Keto Camp. Those listening are probably doing a variation of it. So if yeah. you're not, and you have some leaky gut, autoimmune disease, I mean, you got to experiment with it and see what it does for you. I think it'll be huge. Have you seen clients? Have you done carnivore clients? Oh, yeah, I do. I do carnivore clients all the time. Um, and again, I have not had anybody that's done it that didn't say they felt good doing it. Just, it just, it's not, it just doesn't happen. And nobody has to do it or has to do it forever if they don't want to. A lot of people come and they're like, well, I don't know if I want to do that forever. I'm like, oh, nobody's asking you to do it forever. You said it earlier, right? What works for you is all that we're trying to do. We're trying to make you better. Again, whatever your identity is, what is the lifestyle, the reality that you're trying to affect, we want to help you get to that point. That may be, it's going to be different for a, everybody's got their own vision of who they are and what they want their reality to be. So some people's reality includes asparagus. I don't know why, but it does, right? I got to have my asparagus 
you know, once or twice a week, or I've got to have this, or I've got to have that. That's awesome. If you've identified, and it's, it's about one word, it's about knowledge. It's about understanding what the effect is if you decide to do it, right? So that's why I like carnivore, particularly with, with people getting started, because we can take everything out of the equation that could potentially be causing them some kind of negative effect, right? And then bring that stuff back. It's an elimination, it's elimination diet. Bring that stuff back in and then they can visually see because a lot of, a lot of times people are having issues that they don't even know they're having because they've just lived with it for so long that until you remove what's causing it and they go, whoa, wait a second, this is what life could be like. Then they go, when they put it back in and they feel like crap again, then they have a choice to make. Do I want to live with this or do I not want to live with this? And then that's, that's their decision. Yeah, yeah, it's such a great elimination diet. It's essentially what it is. And you could start reintroducing slowly. Here's the way I recommend it because food sensitivities and food allergies and leaky guts uh, symptoms are really, really tricky. It could be you had, uh, I don't know, avocado today. And in three days or four days, a symptom manifests, whether it's a joint pain or brain fog. Right. So for those who are doing carnivore and want to experiment with non-carnivore foods, I recommend one non-carnivore food four days at a time and see how your body responds to it. If yep. you have that negative feedback, then like Bronson said, you have a decision. Are you okay with yeah. living with that <laughs> symptom or do you right. feel... But there are going to be some foods that your, your body could handle because carnivore is great for healing that, those tight junctions and the leaky gut. Hey, Keto Camper, it is time to get your shift together. What do I mean? Sugar Shift is a unique probiotic designed as a working system to convert the sugars, glucose, and fructose in your gut to the free radical scavenger mannitol, which also feeds a healthy gut microbiome, supports the mitochondria, and by the way, it increases the production of butyrate, which helps protect the gut lining and is one of the main ketone bodies. You heard of it, beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is one of my favorite formulas. It's an eight-strain formula built as a working system to provide specific gut functions, and it's unique in its probiotic formulation. One of my favorite things about this product is that it breaks down and detoxifies glyphosate. The product also includes strains that has been shown to improve muscle mass and support changes in body mass. I've used it with several of my Keto Camp Academy students, and they have reported to me it's helped them with their sugar cravings. It helped them with their transition from sugar burner to fat burner, helps to keep them in ketosis and take the results to another level, helps when they hit a plateau, improves digestion. In a recent study, BiotaQuest, the company that makes Sugar Shift, showed huge improvements in blood sugar reduction, A1C reduction, also reducing LPS, which is an endotoxin that can create inflammation in your body. If you'd like to get your hands on a bottle of Sugar Shift from BiotaQuest, head to BiotaQuest.com, which is spelled B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T, and then put the coupon code CAMP, K-A-M-P-1-0 at checkout, and also check out their other products as well. We'll drop links down below with the coupon code in the podcast notes. Here's what I've seen with carnivore because... I have it in, in my Keto Camp Academy. It's the third pillar. I also wrote about it in my a book, Keto Flex. And there's probably been like thousands of members who have gone through my, my Keto Camp Academy. Most people do really, really well with carnivore. They feel so much better. I would say like 99% of people. There's a small percentage that I've seen do it and actually not feel good. And here's the reason why. So if this is you for some rare chance, 
two reasons. Number one, you don't have enough hydrochloric acid in your gut, HCL, so you're having trouble breaking down all that animal protein. So you supplement with HCL, fixes it. Or number two, your liver is so congested, you don't have the bioflow to break down the extra fat on carnivore. So eat uh, or take ox bile ox supplementation. Bile. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and that fixes it, right? And then everybody else feels amazing. So it's a, the pros definitely outweigh the cons with carnivore. For sure, for sure. Yeah, the HCL thing is a, is a crazy thing. Um, I know somebody who's got, who at a young age was on acid blockers and all kinds of other stuff at a young age. And so her HCL production is pretty much just shut off. Um, and she's trying carnivore right now, going through a bunch of stuff, taking HCL. And it's it's a challenge for her right now. Um, so we'll see how that progresses over time. But yeah. Yeah. Acid blockers and antibiotics and all that stuff we've been taught helps us. <laughs> That's the opposite. <Yeah. laughs> uh, let's talk about fitness because you're the fitness guy. I mean, you've got some great programs out there and you teach it. So what are in general some daily practices we can do to upgrade our muscle, lean muscle mass and just to get things moving along in the right direction? What are some of your best tips here? I think first off to realize it doesn't take a lot. Okay, so you know, you we hear it in medicine, we hear it, and you've probably used the term minimum effective dose, right? It's the same with fitness. It, it doesn't take a lot. Any little bit above the line of what you're doing now. So if your your intensity level of daily activity is walking up the stairs, then all it takes is maybe walk up the stairs five times instead of one time one time a day. You're doing more. So yeah. the idea of progressive overload. Um, in exercise science is you, your body's not going to change the purpose of fitness. Okay. We're going to get into this. The purpose of fitness is to help your body manage external stress. Okay. And this is why I like to, one of the messages that I have is, is the importance of nutrition and fitness together. I think it's 100% 50-50. It is not 80% of fitness or 80% of health is in the kitchen because it doesn't work that way. If you you can eat perfectly, but if you're not using your body, you can't manage anything externally. So nutrition deals with and helps repair and prevent internal stress. Fitness helps you prevent and manage external stress. You need the two of them together. Okay, so it's 50-50. I firmly believe that. If the idea is to manage external stress, then you have to do things in a controlled environment where you're adding stress. That's what exercise is. So exercise is a stress. The difference between exercise stress and life stress is that you're managing and you're planning and you're executing under a controlled situation, the exercise stress. So that when you come to situations in life that aren't managed or planned or the unexpected happens, your body's able to deal with it because you've kind of prepared for that. That's the whole idea of training for life. What are you training for? I'm training for life, right? That's, that's what that's all about. So anything more than you're doing now, whether it's just activity level, the number of times you do something, if you go for a walk every day, instead of just going for a walk by yourself, grab some dumbbells and carry some dumbbells. Grab your kid and carry them on your back. Just do something more. It doesn't have to be going to a gym, getting a membership here and doing something crazy eventually you will probably want to do that because you're going to improve what you can do. And the more you improve what you, your body can do, the more you're going to want to do more. So at some point, you're going to start doing some things that you may have thought you never did. But you don't have to worry about that now. Just do something right now that's more. Yeah, I love that. And that's progressive overload. It's exactly what it is. And it could be instead of going for your two-mile walk, it's a two-and-a-half-mile walk. Whatever, whatever it is, right? A little bit just, more, just a little 
anymore. Progress, beat yesterday. You know, that's all it's about. And and the perfect example, this is a great transition, is, you know, your mom. Your mom, at the age of um, 60 years old, you started to work with her. So share the story on, on exactly the progressive overload you did with your mother. Sure. So I actually started working with her when she was 60. So my mom is my oldest one-on-one client. So I started, she was my first personal training client when she was That's 60. That's awesome. I love it. So she's just turned 68. Just to give you some, just, uh, some background on her, she had done nothing. The most I think she'd ever done in her whole life, her whole life up to 60 years old, was some Denise Austin videos in the living room, right? <laughs> Remember that Denise Austin with the leg yeah. warmers and whatever else, right? So that may have been the most she'd ever done. She started working with me, doing personal training, kind of getting into just understanding movement and whatever else. And then eventually she joined the gym. So she became a gym member at my CrossFit gym, did that, absolutely fell in love with the community, with feeling empowered, feeling that confidence of being strong and developing physical ability to the point that when I sold the gym, she ended up leaving the gym and she built a gym in her basement. So she's got She's got a rack down there. She's got pull-up rigs. She's got a universal wow. a treadmill. She's got a rower. She's got barbells down there. So she's, she's got a whole basement that's got all the stuff. She loves to deadlift. Whenever she, whenever she does one of my workouts and I don't have deadlift in for the week or something, she's like, I'm, where's my deadlift? I need to deadlift this week. <laughs> I love the deadlift too, mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, so she, it's, it's amazing. See, she had osteopenia. Um, she was pre-osteoporetic. And I think she actually had osteoporosis in a couple different areas, but was mostly osteo, osteopenia, like pre-osteoporetic in most of her body. She has hypothyroid and she's been just struggling. She had been struggling with those for a long time. Just the CrossFit side of the house, just doing the exercise, getting into a regular routine of resistance movement, fixing her metabolic health, um, helped her hypothyroid a little bit. Her, med- her medication dropped down. Her bone density increased she went to no osteoporosis, only some osteopenia. About three years, she's almost at the three-year mark of being carnivore. Wow. About almost three years ago, she started carnivore. And she's also been taking, I don't know if you've ever heard of AlgaeCal, it's a calcium supplement that yeah. um, is based off of algae that she's okay. been taking for a while. So she's been taking that for a while. But between that and between carnivore, she made those two changes around the same time. She's completely reversed her osteopenia. Nothing registers now anymore as osteoporotic or pre-osteoporotic. Amazing. Hypothyroid is, it's never going to be healed, but her medicine has dropped down so much. Her doctor's like, what the heck is going on here? And she's just having a blast. I mean, she's 68 years old. Her skeletal muscle mass, so this is something we probably will talk about is how much muscle should you have. For women, I recommend 40% of your body weight should be skeletal muscle mass. And she's been at about 38 to 40% um, for the past couple of years, maintaining that, which is about 15% higher than the average. It's impressive. Right? It's awesome. crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Kudos to you. What a great and She's putting that on from 60 to 68. So it's, it's grown over the last eight years. It's not like she's all of a sudden she came in with muscle. She didn't. She, she's grown muscle over the past eight years. Yeah, uh, I love that. What a great story. You're a great son. For those listening and you're like, but I'm 55 years old. If I start a workout routine now, you know how long it'll take for me to, it'll take me eight years to get that, you know, muscle mass that I desire. Well, how long will it right. take if you, you don't exercise? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're still going to get it. that point. Why don't we do it yeah. now? 
question on body fat percentage because you brought up the muscle mass. What is your recommendation, general recommendation for body fat percentage male versus body fat percentage female for not for performance, but for uh, health and longevity? Yeah, up the mouth. Can we switch it and talk about muscle mass instead? Yes. Okay, so 45% skeletal muscle mass is what men should be shooting for and 40% okay. skeletal muscle mass for women. 45% skeletal for men, 40% skeletal for women. How do you test that? So if you have a body composition scan, uh, you just need a body composition scan that gives you either the percentage right up front or what your skeletal muscle mass is, and then you just divide that by your total weight. So for me, my lean mass or my total body weight is 185. I have a skeletal muscle mass of like 93 pounds. So whatever that comes up to, it's like 51%, something like that, 50%. Are you doing the math? Oh, I'm writing down the equation, skeletal muscle mass divided oh, yeah. by total weight. Yeah, so I could do the yeah, math. So though. if you have your skeletal again. muscle mass, um, I'm 185. 185. And my skeletal muscle mass is like 92 or 93 pounds. So is it 92 divided by 185 or the other way around? That's, oh, no, it's 185 the divided by 90. Yeah. yeah. 92. So you're oh, 185 divided by 92, we said? Mm -hmm. No, that doesn't seem right. It says 2.0. Um, oh, yeah, it is the other way. So, so that's about 90, 50%. Five divided by one eighty-five, yeah, fifty-one percent. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's my skeletal muscle mass percentage. That's pretty yeah, damn so, good. So basically, there isn't anything out there that says what skeletal muscle mass should be, because everybody's so focused on fat. And I firmly believe this is another hot point for me: is we need to stop talking about fat loss. If we can start start talking about how much muscle you can have, and we can actually give people that number to say this is where you're trying to go to not what you're trying to lose. Mm -hmm. I just think a target of progress is way better than a target for loss. I, I think it's a great suggestion and a great reframe because we don't want to, you don't lose weight to get healthy. You get healthy to lose weight. How do you get healthy? Well, this is a great marker. Hit that 40 for women and 45 skeletal mass for men. You're getting healthy. And then the weight, take, the fat loss takes care of itself. So it's a great routine. So when you say a machine that looks at skeletal muscle mass, do those like electrical impedance machines do that as well? Would that be an accurate measure as well? Yeah, 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 absolutely. There's a lot of different ones out there. I'm a fan of InBody. I like InBody, yeah. Yeah, the InBody machines. So the InBody machines are awesome because they're used mostly by a lot of medical um, institutions. A lot of doctors have them in their offices. They've made a really good impact in the medical field. Also, if you look at a lot of studies, that people are doing. So a lot of a lot of places that do different studies about body composition and things like that, a lot of the equipment that they use are in-body bioelectric impedance machines. A lot of CrossFit gyms have them now. So it's just the idea of this body composition focus as opposed to weight focus is really starting, people are starting to go, wait a second, what is this all about? And that's when I got introduced to them was when I owned my gym. I found out about them. I got a machine, got one of the commercial machines into the gym. And it completely changed. That's another step. We talked about my change of just wanting people to do CrossFit to understanding, you know, comprehensive health. That was another step along that way, getting that machine into the gym and realizing that uh, intracellular hydration and body fat mass and skeletal muscle mass and BMR and how these things are tied together. That's where I first made the connection that muscle drives metabolic rate, not weight. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Starting to see how, wait a second, somebody lost 10 pounds, but they lost five pounds of muscle, gained a couple pounds or lost five pounds of fat, gained a couple pounds of muscle. 
but and their BMR didn't change. But I thought when you lost weight, your BMR changed. Well, not necessarily. If you're gaining muscle, it doesn't because muscle drives metabolism. So just understanding those sorts of things and seeing the differences that just uh, weight doesn't tell you just blew the whole thing up. So so important. Yeah. They have home devices. That's what I, I have a home device. Yeah, I saw that on Amazon. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll drop links for those. Uh, and body's great. I like them too. Um, I also discovered them when I had my CrossFit gym. They they came to my like location. They're like, hey, we have this. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, no, it's so important because the number on the scale is, first of all, a damn liar and should not be the number one thing that we should focus on. I know that so tough for people to do because they're just tracking that. They're stepping on it every single day, every single week. But there's so many more important factors. And this skeletal muscle mass divided by total weight and seeing where you're at huge. So if you haven't done that, go do that. It's a great nugget that you provided. Where can the keto campers check you out? Your Instagram is right here at coach underscore Bronson underscore keto, but where else can they check you out? Yeah, I got a YouTube channel, which is uh, muscles matter with coach Bronson. And my website is the apex training system.com. We'll drop that down below. Go follow Bronson on Instagram, go subscribe to his YouTube channel down below, go check out his website. We'll drop that down below. Dude, I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm glad we connected in, in, in Las Vegas. I want to acknowledge you, dude, uh, for the work that you're doing. Uh, I love the conversation about the importance of muscle mass and taking our attention away from just weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And hey, there are other measures. So it's inspiring what you've done with your story and what you've done with your mom inspires me with my mom. So thank you for that. And uh, just keep educating the world, dude. I support your mission here. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I love what you guys are doing too. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Coach Bronson. You could find him over at apxts.com. That's apextrainingsystem.com. And his Instagram is down below. His Facebook is LinkedIn. His TikTok is YouTube. We put all that down below for you. If you want to learn more about the in-body scan, the PE diet, and a beginner's guide to the carnivore diet, we'll reference all of that down below. If this conversation was valuable, please share it with somebody you know please post it on social media. Tag myself, tag Coach Bronson. His Instagram is coach underscore Bronson underscore keto. And go get KetoFlex on Audible. It is available right now. We'll drop links for that down below. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.